Again and Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Hi, welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. Woo, I'm gay. I'm non-gay. Today's a really special episode of our podcast. We're really excited. Yeah, so we've never actually had any bands or musicians on the podcast before. Right. And I guess that's because we don't really agree on music. Yeah, I hate metal. Although we did both go to the same gig the other week. We both <laughs> went to see Kylie Rae Jepsen. But today we welcome Katie, Gisette and Naomi Muna to a gay and a non-gay. So I first became aware of Muna when they released I Know A Place a few years ago. It's an amazing LGBTQ plus anthem. If you've not heard it, it's drawing on the horrendous events of the Pulse shooting. Yeah, and if you ever see them live, they do this bit where they switch up the lyrics and they do this uh, verse about Trump and it gives me like goosebumps every time. It's amazing. And then last year they released their second album, Moona Saves the World. It's one of my favourite albums from last year. Yeah. And whilst they were over here touring it, we caught up with them. Yep, we caught up with them in Manchester and Dan wanted to record this episode on the Curry Mile in Manchester yes. uh, at an Indian and call this episode A Booner with Moona. Yes. A booner with Moona. But that got vetoed. So instead, here's a gay and a non-gay with Moona. Why did that get vetoed? Um, it didn't have to be a booner. We could have gone for some tuna with Moona. Anyway, here's a gay and a non-gay with Boona. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moona. Sorry. Oh, my God. That's no, so... there's no Boona. That's, <laughs> that's exactly the problem. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. A gay and a non-gay with Moona. We are with the greatest band in the world. Indeed you are. What an honour for you. <laughs> Do you know what? It's a huge honour because we don't have bands on. We've never had a band on before. I was wondering. Never. Um, That's awesome. We've never had a band on. We don't really agree on music. No. That's the problem. Okay. It's amazing to meet you guys. Your music's incredible. We were saying it's a bit similar to our podcast because you kind of go on roller coasters as well. You have a very mm. emotional journey. And sometimes we'll be talking about stupid stuff. And then other times we'll talk about my depression yeah. or antidepressants. Mm-hmm. You know? So we'll go up mm-hmm. and you down. You snap. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to our dynamic internally. You retweeted someone saying, Ultimate mood is Moona telling the crowd, get ready to dance, and then proceeding to sing a song called Crying on the Bathroom Floor. Yeah. That's exactly everything we, we didn't, need to know. We didn't even like think about the irony of that. That no, seems but the so whole natural thing is, to us. The whole thing is ironic. Yeah. In a way. I think pop music with the lyrics and sensibilities of our band is a little bit ironic. And it's a different type of irony when, I don't know the term for it, but when the audience recognizes something that the band themselves is unaware of, that's a different type of irony as well. That point, by the way, about um, somebody noticing something that you don't in your Uh music. I was chatting to somebody Canadian yesterday, Mm. but they said to me, it's hilarious how you read out all your tour dates on, on your podcast. And I was like, is that funny? What's funny about that? And she said, why don't you just say go to the website? And I said, well, because if you're listening in Glasgow... I really support you you doing that. Do you? I I totally do. I'm lazy. I'm the person who's lazy, who's not going to the website. I want to know through the mouth. I also, we've talked a lot about like self-promotion as part of this cycle because the first single on on this record was number one fan, which like is all about like being your own number one fan and supporting yourself. And so much of being a musician now is like being comfortable promoting yourself like on social media. And that can be a real struggle if you... If you hate yourself, so (laughs) I'm really into the, I think there's something very strong on like a metaphorical level about just like actively promoting yourself in whatever way you can. Just being like, come see my show and making it easy for people because what you're really saying to other people and yourself is like, I'm worth engaging with. (laughs) Yeah. So there's quite a lot of uh, sort of self-deprecating humor in your lyrics. Word. Which... 
I think it's quite similar to us. I, I feel like, mm. and tell me if I'm wrong, you, you're aware that you're doing a lot of good stuff, but you also think that's kind of funny. Yeah, I think it feels as though this concept goes over many Americans' heads and they just think we make, I don't know. I think uh, um, people from this country are a little more in tune with the duality of extremely self-deprecating stuff being also kind of hilarious more than maybe Americans are. I think it's, it's important cool to like laugh to at your oh, feelings. Yeah. I, I, crying on the bathroom floor basically defined my life for a year when that came out. Um, mm. It is a real Robin moment for me. I don't Thank know if you, you. feel Thank that you. also. From the bottom of my heart. Um, <laughs> What's I, a Robin moment? Oh, oh you're so God. non-gay. Like Batman and Robin? <laughs> He's so non-gay. He's What's so that? non-gay. Oh, oh, sorry, Robin as in the singer. Sorry. B-Y-M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you yeah. got there and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got there. Is but it I weird like being, your initial. But, what, but hang on, but having said that, I still don't know what a Robin moment is. Do you, as in dancing on my own? Yeah, yeah. As in, instead of you dancing know? on your own, you're crying on the bathroom floor. Is that what you get? I'm just saying it's a very similar like vibe for me. It's like as iconic. Like if that came on in a club everyone would stop scream and sing right, along okay. in a similar yeah, yeah. way to dancing on my own well thank right, you okay cool. that's very nice but that's a lot of words and this, <laughs> you know this is a podcast and people got places to be so i'm just trying to trim it down um, but when there's a non-gay in the room you've got to explain a lot more <laughs> it's actually really nice to be in a room with so many queer people and the non-gay be the minority mm. wow but How i do feel? want to say i am gay and non-gay but it's funny because in this band like i end up like wearing skirts most the time because it's like no one else will do it (laughs) (laughs) a gay and non-gay and mooner so you all went to college together and you were surrounded by like a sea of the cis squad lots of (laughs) non-gays but you found each other which is so common i think for so many lgbtq plus people's journey like i have a very similar thing i Mm. hung out with a couple of gay guys i didn't know they were gay at the time but we still found each (laughs) other other. there's a magnetism for queerness i think we were talking about this the other day when i was we were hanging out with some friends of ours and it didn't really come to my mind but every single person that we were with was queer mm-hmm. and i don't really think about it that much but we do have we have a little queer like group on accident we try but to it, there's something very cute about that happening particularly before people are out yeah because i look back like even on myself in high school and like just hanging out with people that we all came out later but we were like yeah, yeah totally. nothing to see here i think it's because we feel well we feel so safer when we're all together mm-hmm. right yeah. and we're stronger when we're all together like yeah. look at a pride parade um you've talked about how oppression like the oppression of gay people as a community gives perspectives to us that straight people don't have. So what are some of the things you mean there? What are some of the things straight people don't have? I don't know if that is exactly what we are intending to mean if we said that. I mean, I think everybody has to deal, everybody has to deal with suffering in this life, right? Like life is hard in so many different ways, but in ways that are really real for everybody. Um, But I think like both being queer and like, being people that are and I'm just going to communicate this in real time I still am not sure the right way to discuss like if we I don't want to say we're women because I know that Naomi identifies as genderqueer but I don't know what to say that the language is still Girl, hard for me I don't me. know what to say either I know it's like femme what do you like, say? because we it's are perceived like as women perceived we as grew women. up being perceived as yeah. women but our different <laughs> identities like I think they have led to certain experiences that lent themselves to feeling like the only way we could talk about it was like 
through our creative outlet, you know, which is probably like there's something about podcasting too, which is like it's a space where you can bring stuff up and share experiences that maybe you were like carrying shame around or you're feeling like if I talk about this in another way, um, it's going to be like pushed to the side or not, not taken seriously or not listened to. So we were just building a space for ourselves to um, talk about things where we knew like that there was going to be kind of, I don't know, just space for it and a, a sanctity to it. Like it was going to be taken seriously. And then, and that created a bigger community once we like put the music out. But yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this. I'm going to, I'm going to try not to talk so much, but I was thinking about this concept of like, it's interesting being, being queer in a time when queer aesthetics are like really being played with. And there's a lot of interest in queer aesthetics from everybody, it seems like Mm. corporations and whatever. But there's something about, this is what's interesting is like, there's certain things about our our experiences that where we've experienced oppression, but there's also like, we're also privileged in certain ways. I come from a wealthy community. I was able to go to college and where I live in Los Angeles, it's like, I'm also gentrifying a community. So if I'm working with that um, metaphor, there's certain people that can like come and visit this experience and just have fun with it but it's different when like that's where you have to live because that's just where you live I think it's growing up I think even if it's popular now I think it's growing up with the shame of coming to terms with it and I think it's just a very different experience if you are starting from now as opposed to existing before and coming to now yeah I mean I think things are changing so maybe there are people growing up hopefully in the future will feel they're not so different than everyone else if they're queer because they'll be exposed to more people in popular culture that are out and more I don't know TV and movies representation is not everything but it definitely matters and I feel like we didn't have that much to no, I mean, we were, base. we wrote, I know a place yeah. the same year that same sex marriage was legalized in the United States. It's crazy to think that before then, you know, we were already, crazy. we were already crazy. legally adults by the time that same sex marriage was legalized. Yeah. So I just thought I was interested to, in what you said then about how a non-gay person might come into your space and enjoy it for a moment and then they leave and return to their non-gay life. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about that, Dan? Because you're kind of doing that in this podcast, right? Um, <laughs> like you're entering our safe space right now. That's really interesting. I'd never thought of it before. We've we've done an episode where I went to a gay bar and I didn't find I felt really uncomfortable because people kept touching me. Wow. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's an experience. That's also I've an experience heard. of also. I think that's a, a really interesting experience for like a straight man because it also gives you a perspective of what it's like to be a woman as well yeah, as yeah, 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 to, no, be, to be a gay man. Of course, yeah. yeah. But I, we had a whole argument about it because James didn't seem to think it was a big deal. I honestly didn't even get it. I was like, yeah, that's normal. That's what happens in gay bars. Get uh-huh. a grip. That this is what's happened to women for so many years. Like now it's your turn. But then obviously stopped and realized... Oh, that's really wrong. Too wrong. I, don't, I, I, am, I have been yeah. taught I really. Like. I've been taught very badly. Like, mm-hmm. what is a societal norm? And yeah, I regret saying that now. It occurs in queer female or female-oriented spaces too. When like a certain type of masculinity is because masculinity is not exclusive to any gender. There, are, you know, there's aspects that that we're all capable of performing, and sometimes women take on really toxic, misogynistic, like gross behaviors that happen in, in allegedly, you know, safe 
queer female or whatever spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's something that definitely needs to be worked on for all humans. It's like really intense. But do you guys feel like your dynamic is like generally like you are getting educated on like gay culture or does it work? Is it vice versa? It's probably more that way than the other way. But I think we both learn quite a lot from each other. But I guess I taught Dan about douching and stuff like that. Okay, got it. But what has Dan taught you? I think Dan has taught me, actually, interestingly, he's taught me not to take anyone's bullshit. So rather rather than me, like, accepting guys treating me badly all the time just because I'm an oppressed minority Mm -hmm. and feel like, I, you know, I don't love myself or whatever. I think he's helped me push back a bit and realise that I do have some worth and that I shouldn't be wasting my time with these guys. I mean, we've had a lot of experiences together that have helped me get to that, but... This is really sweet. sweet. That's really cool. (laughs) Oh, stop it. I like this pair. A booner with Moona. Back to you guys. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about the hurt in that song. And actually, it relates to what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. I Know A Place. It is such a queer anthem. And the lyrics are, um, you think being yourself means you're unworthy. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to love with a heart that's hurting. But if you want to go out dancing, I got a place. (laughs) Now, that is just so, it's it's so upsetting because you don't think about it like that when you go out do you you're just Mm -hmm. going out Mm -hmm. but that's what's happening when we go to a queer space and there are so many queer spaces that no longer exist Mm. so how do you guys feel about that about some of these queer spaces closing like do you think they're really important still i feel like we we the the song is a lot and not to speak for katie but i'm going to she wrote the lyrics and they're amazing but i feel like the song is a lot about like imagining that a place exists rather than sort of referencing actual spaces i feel like it's it's kind of it kind of has like a nostalgic element to it and mm-hmm. the the space is imagined because it references the song itself is referencing a lot of you know the the things that we haven't accomplished yet as a as a queer community like the fact that you know trans women of color are still getting murdered all the time and and it's hard to get mainstream media to give a shit about that and just yeah it's a lot about imagining that a place could exist rather than referencing actual places but it is a shame that a lot of like historic queer establishments are getting shut down i think the way that i think about the song these days due to just the way that america has become i don't think about it exclusively as a a a queer anthem i think about it as an anthem against like gun violence and just like how people my my girlfriend is like scared to go to like a movie theater because we released that song before the orlando shooting um at pulse nightclub and like we never could obviously could have predicted the way that this song would speak so directly to such a tragic event and then with like the massive uptick in like mass shootings in america really since then it's kind of like i think at the time we wrote the song we were actually thinking a lot about trans women of color like just not being being physically safe that's really what I was thinking a lot about when I wrote the song, but I think it just has felt like things have kind of gotten worse. I, I wasn't thinking that the song would be so literal. Yeah, so I'm taking it way too literally. No, but the, <laughs> thing, no, is, but the, thing, is, but the thing is, James, like, I think it would be amazing if, like, one day, like, Muna, I don't know if I'll be a real mom one day, but, like, one of my dreams in my heart, I think, is to be, like, a community mama. And, and this is, it's such an interesting conversation, too, because particularly with queer women, 
spaces has, have always been an issue for us. In in West Hollywood, there's like a, a bunch of clubs for gay men, but there's, there's not, not one. one. There's like a one Wednesday night for, for women. Um, but wow. there's like, there's not a lot of spaces. There's also not a lot of like queer, healthy, sober spaces. Right. Not to say that clubs are always unhealthy, but like if I don't want to get like fucked up, um, and have sex with a stranger, but I do want to hang out with like queer people and build relationships. Like, where do I go? So I think it'd be amazing if like one day we, we actually did take the song really literally and like had some type of, I mean, that's like a total fantasy. I would love that too. The Muna Motel. Oh, wow. I love that. People can sleep there too. That's yeah, what yeah, that yeah, yeah. Oh, like, Nice. But not with each other unless they want to. <laughs> I'm here for this. A gay and a non gay. Two unlikely friends take on the world. I think I'd seen you on Jimmy Kimmel do the I Know A Place where you change the lyrics. Mm. But when I actually saw it in, in the flesh, I was like, oh my God, I just, that was incredible. And then I missed it. I, well, I, heard, I saw it, I heard it. And then I was like, hang on, I wanted to be ready for that moment. And it's just happened. <laughs> and I wish that was in the recorded version, that the, the Trump bit. Because I've listened back to the Jimmy, is it Kimmel or Fallon? No, Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've listened back to the Jimmy Kimmel and watched it a million times. And that, that bit, I think, turns it into... Not just one of the best sort of LGBT anthems, but I think, in my opinion, it's the best anti-Trump anthem Thank that you. there is. When Trump got elected, everybody said it's going to be this amazing wave of protest music. Yeah. And I don't think there has been. We're literally still trying to write it. It is so hard to write protest music, y'all. It's hard. And I don't know, like, it's exactly how to... to talk about it, but... Yeah. There's something that happens there. I think I need to write an essay about this. I think I, think, do. I think protest music that is that really works for us on a soul level, I think is difficult. Yeah. I think there's something really difficult about because it, and it doesn't really quite add up because people like specifics in their music, but I think so much of what's powerful about music is that it shows our unity as human beings and it's hard to write a protest song where you're not just kind of like condemning like yeah. I even like I go back and I listen to like American folk anthologies and like protest songs about the Vietnam War and like a lot of them are great but a lot of them have this the really simplistic view of like there's an evil group that's like responsible for all the problems and that's not quite um emotionally resonant i feel like interesting i also think we're coming know. to terms as a perhaps as we become more global like as the world feels more interconnected that it, like that it isn't just about specific leaders and that there's no. like there is a level of of structural oppression all around the world that people are responding to it also occurred to me that it might be possible that the people that would write the most powerful and most amazing protest music in our age um are too stressed out and overworked right now like mm. there's so many people that are just like yeah. trying to keep their homes and like keep food on their table it might be possible that the people that would actually be able to say something simple that would like bring us all together like are just uh they're working too hard right now because they don't have a choice can we talk about number one fan that opening lyric is so relatable to me <laughs> nobody likes me and i'm gonna die alone that is so <laughs> me and i feel like that's everyone we kind of hate ourselves don't we and the world around us is like full of people trying to divide us all the time so it just makes us it's sort of telling us that everyone hates us a lot 
by. Yeah. I feel like it's just the it's experience capitalism. of having to. Yeah, it's <laughs> capitalism. It's like being attached to a device wherein you can just look at people who seem to be living much better lives than you. Um, we're all doing all, at yeah. all times. If you're listening for that news of like nobody likes me and I'm going to die alone, like that stream, it's like a ticker tape in my brain that is constantly available to tune into. I can hear that news at any point in time if I choose to, you know. Um, but it's like making a different choice to basically write my own news of being like, okay, so here's the story that I'm actually going to choose to say instead, you know. I like that that whole song is like such a unfolding process of like a conversation with myself because it's just like me talking back to these really old narratives that have been in my head for so long. Because eventually, like, I feel like the good news is like you just kind of you do get tired of it at a certain point. You're like, this is actually not work for me. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I like to sing it in the mirror, though, with the whole, like... Um, you do? Yeah, really? because then you're, like, saying to yourself that you're a fan of yourself. This is what I was really hoping. Well, that's what the song is, and I feel like a lot of people... And I don't know if you guys can confirm or deny this, but, like, maybe particularly British people, like, a lot of people feel really uncomfortable about doing things that are self-lovey. Um, it's like seems really cringy. Well, I don't. Re- he's he's always saying, "What am I doing to self love?" And I, yeah. I don't. I don't really know what that means. Firstly, <laughs> also, I don't know. I, I wonder whether there's a bit too much of a narrative about self love. I think it's really. I think it's more about. For me, it's about not letting the shame speak louder than the words yeah. of like, "It's okay to exist as me in this body, not to be like, oh, you dirty." piece of shit. This is something that like I I am constantly struggling with though because I think it it's a really fine line yeah. to be honest. And I think in our culture it's like really easily commodified. I think it already has been. Say. In America we call it the wellness industry. I yeah, don't know sure. if that exists here yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like but yeah, it's like it a bunch does. of people just selling you face masks because they're like, you're a bad bitch. Yeah, um, and, and not just that, but like if you buy these trainers and if you buy these yeah. clothes and if you Athleisure do this. And, I mean, yeah. I think going on a walk, it, like if totally. you, if that is what something that centers you, like that's a form of self-love. I mean, I would do that, like that. But I, I wouldn't consciously think in order to do X, I'm going to go for a walk. Sure. I would just... Do it. Yeah. yeah. The I way- think you hit on it there, though, with the, like, we're we're doing it because we're fighting shame yeah. to an extent. And I guess that's probably why a lot of my social media is like, I'm great. I did this today. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. bigging myself up because maybe I felt like I wasn't being bigged up before. I mean, yeah, if you're marginalized in any way, I think it is important to feel comfortable saying, like, I'm great, you know, or like I do something that's that is of value um, because it's not necessarily going to be the case that you're going to be hearing that from, you know, from the jump. I feel like in my actual lived experience, my self-hatred and my grandiosity, actually, they go together Mm -hmm. when I'm taking care of myself and I am like in self-love, like that's when I'm really right sized and I can like be in relationships as an equal to other people because I'm not trying to. To prove to everyone how amazing I am because mm. I'm like I'm on lock how are you today versus like <laughs> right. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think it's really that like the self-hatred and the narcissism are like kind of one in the same I, I agree with you this all ties in with other songs about love and suffering that are part of Muna's discography because when I'm not loving myself then I'm usually searching for like some unavailable person to tell me 
that I'm amazing and to love me. And I'm like, focus on one person and then I'm being a shitty friend to everybody else. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a mess. That's also the problem with like the wellness industry because I think you can do that with items and like activities as well. I mean, you can yeah. make anything a drug, a person, a... And then like not pay attention to the your friends and yeah, like your real friends. relationships. Yeah. <laughs> or, or even like what you really need. A gay and a non-gay with Muna. So I think the most interesting song on the album for me is the last song, It's Gonna Be Okay. Yeah. So is, is that like a letter to, to your younger self? Exactly, yeah. I was like 25 writing it to my like 17-year-old self, yeah. What would your 17-year-old self have said? Shit. <laughs> have said back? Yeah. Just like, holy fuck. It's <laughs> yeah. not gonna be really, good. Really I am not seem... going down on a girl. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> never <Yeah>. again. <laughs> LOL. That is such a great lyric, though. I love it. I'm Thank obsessed you. with lyrics, because she hadn't noticed. Um, yeah, it's a really beautiful song. I think we all need that song in our lives. It's going to be you. okay. Do you think yeah. it will be okay? Yeah. It has been it up has until this be. point, you even, though I mean? it's, even though it is not. You know what I mean? Like, there, totally. it's, it is okay. Yeah. Even when, that's a, the internal dialogue that I have when I'm going through a true emotional crisis. I've been through a crisis before, and I've been through some crazy stuff, and it was fine then. So hopefully, it will be fine, at least okay. It's yeah. not that it's going to be a f- amazing. No, but that's but it's not at life. least going to be okay at some point. The song is very, uh, it, it aligns with Buddhism or, to me in some way where it's just like life is suffering and it's the acceptance of the sub- of suffering. And you're just like, you know what? It's chill. That is all par for the course. And if I'm existing and an acceptance of my existence, then word up. We talked a lot about all colors of the LGBT spectrum mm. today. You know, trans women of color. Mm bisexual people, gender, queer, gender fluid. It does a lot. Um, what advice do you have to younger listeners who are struggling with any of those? Or maybe they don't know who they are yet. Mm. It's going to be okay, baby. It, no. it gets better. I, I don't know anything other than that. Like, it really does get better and you just have to... I think the most healing thing that I've ever experienced is the passing of time. I don't think any wisdom I could give is anything better than allowing yourself the time to to grow as a person except that you're a person who has faults and you know what what is the the best you're you know all you got to do is your best and if your best is like just getting out of bed in the morning yeah like that's enough yeah sometimes your best is your worst and that's okay yeah you know things are gonna oscillate and change just don't shut out from the world maybe try not to shut out definitely get into life as much as you can i mean i i was thinking about like how isolating it can be to be yeah like in high school or or be younger and I don't know if you had like a friend that you talked to about this stuff when you were younger but I feel like I had a couple of people that opened up to me when we were in high school still dealing with um these issues and just like trying to figure out identity I think just having like even just one other person that you can check in with there's this concept I learned about this past year called like co-regulation which is basically just texting your friend like what's up I think that's really powerful just to find somebody that you can speak with honestly and to experiment like asking yourself like what are the things that I think I can't share maybe try sharing some of that stuff you know I think that's what we do with our songwriting it's like what are the things like I think like wouldn't be okay to like put down um, and usually those are the things that like the other people are the most grateful that you said it's like oh finally someone fucking said it um, so just experiment, you know, seeing how brave you can be, like being honest with 
your friends. I think that helps a lot. Muna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for, having yeah, us. Thanks thanks for thanks listening for to chats. our conspiracy theories. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you guys. Thank you guys. Uh, thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay. Visit gaynongay.com slash donate.